I saw a demon on my shoulders looking like patriarchy, like scrubbing blood off the ceiling and bleaching another carpet. How my house go on it? Why toy and body don't embody all the life she wanted? The baby just 19. I know I dream all black. I seen that everything immortalizing tweets, all caps. They say they found her dead. One girl missing, another one go missing. One girl missing another, but niggas in the back, quiet as a church mouse. Basement studio when duty calls to get the verse out. I guess the ego hurt now. It's time to go to work. Wow, look at him go. He really doubts to write about me when the world is in smokes. When it's people in trees. When George was begging for his mother, saying he couldn't breathe. You thought to write about me? One girl missing, another one go missing. One girl missing, another one. Yo, but little did I know all my reading would be about There is trans women being murdered And this is all he can offer And this is all y'all receive Distract you from the convo with organizers They talking abolishing the police And this is a new world order We democratizing Amazon We burn down borders This is a new vanguard This is a new vanguard I'm the new vanguard And welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Quick start there. Thanks so much for tuning in. It is Friday, September 25th, 2020.
Um, we are broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We're in the Mission District. We're in San Francisco. And we are on Ramatush Ohlone land. Please go to ramatush.com, and that's R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H.com for more information. And also, I do want to encourage folks to pay the Shumi land tax, and that's S-H-U-U-M-I land tax. And also, if you go to the Weekly Review webpage that we have set up, we've got a lot more information there under the Land Acknowledgement uh, section. So, and I'll give you the uh, address for that uh, momentarily. <sighs> Going to take a, a deep breath here because there's just a lot to get to today. As always, it's been uh, quite a week. So if you go to weeklyrev.wordpress.com, at the uh, there's a tab at the top, Land Acknowledgement, that provides a lot of resources, places you can donate, learn about history. Um, you, there's a map where you can see which indigenous lands you're on, depending on where you are, if you are in this country. Uh, there's also a link to Radio Free Alcatraz, as well as uh, Indigenous Mutual Aid, and other places to that provide resources and places to donate. So please do check that out. That, I guess, come calling in around 12.30, Rin Gonzalez, so looking forward to talking with Rin then. And got a lot of, there's a lot, oh my gosh, there's a lot going on. So we'll do, I'll do my best. I've compiled a lot of stories for, for today, and we'll see what we can get to. And also start off the song, start off the song, start off the show with, I guess, one of my new favorite songs called The Communists Have the Music by They Might Be Giants. I hadn't heard it before, and uh, I think it's pretty great. Followed by Song 33 by No Name. And we'll be playing some more music throughout the show as we go along. Did want to get to a few news stories. I've, oh, I've got so many. There's so many things that are happening. And yes, uh, as fascism is creeping in, and it's pretty much here, I do want to provide a lot of resources for folks, ways people can show up. There's so many people who have been organizing for generations, and there are so many ways that people can show up. So I want to provide a sense of hope and uh, action items. No matter where you are, what you're doing, who you are, there are ways that folks can show up and help out and make your voice heard, because everyone's voice deserves to be heard, except for Nazis who deserve to be shot. Okay, <sighs> let's see. I'm going to go down the list here of articles. Oh my gosh, there's so many. I keep on saying that, but I, I, I need to get started here. Oh, gosh, there's so many. I thought it would be simpler for me if I had all this whole list, but there's, like, just so much that's happening. So I'm just going to go down uh, I'm gonna go down this list here. Uh, starting with this, uh, I subscribe to a lot of different email lists and groups, and I they send out uh, alerts of what's happening. So the first one I've clicked on randomly, again, there's no necessarily uh, order for this, but uh, Surge SF, showing up for racial justice in San Francisco. They have a lot of items that are, or events that are happening right now. Um, I, I shouldn't probably encourage folks to turn off this show, but uh, if you uh, are listening and are in San Francisco, you can also uh, head over to City Hall, because right now uh, there's Black Trans Lives Matter, bridging Black Trans Lives, happening now at noon, San Francisco City Hall, come together in support of the Black Trans community who face injustice at disproportionate rates bring awareness to the lived experience of black, transgender, and non-binary communities. This rally, which honors the voices of black, trans, and non-binary leadership in the Bay Area, is hosted by Wealth and Disparities in the Black Community and Justice for Mario Woods. And I'm going to click on a link here to provide more information. There's a Facebook invite. So, yeah, uh, if you're in the Bay Area, turn off the show and head over to City Hall right now. Cool. Okay. And next is uh, tomorrow, Saturday, September 26th, the Power of Public Policy Virtual Workshop from 10 a.m. to noon. Uh, it's online. 
Uh, join our friends at Surge Bay Area's Policy Committee for a legislative strategy session and workshop that will demystify the legislative process, build collective legislative capacity, and highlight the legislative priorities and strategies of Surge's Black, Indigenous, and People of Color-led partners. This workshop is for anyone who is passionate, curious, or wants to learn more about the ways that policy combined with grassroots organizing can be used as a tool in the movement for racial justice and collective liberation, sliding scale zero to $10. No one turned away for lack of funds, and they provide a link as well. So again, if you want to just check out Surge, S-U-R-J, Bay Area, we will have the information there. They also have uh, quick actions, demand justice for Daniel Prude, join Surge ROC and Free the People Rock in Rochester, New York in demanding justice for Daniel Prude. They have a petition as well as you can donate to support Daniel's family in this time of crisis. You can also donate to support individuals impacted by wildflower wildfires. If only there was just like a whole bunch of wildflowers all over California. I mean, there are, but I'd prefer wildflowers to wildfires, as I think we all would. And COVID UndocuFund, which was launched by a coalition of immigrant service providers and advocates to provide direct assistance to undocumented victims of the Northern California fires. I'm gonna click on UndocuFund to provide the direct link, because I know I'm sharing a lot of information here, and I guess the, the benefit of having this online is that folks can pause and go back. Um, but if you go to UndocuFund, you can, you can go to undocufund.org, and that's U-N-D-O-C-U-F-U-N-D.org, and they provide links to apply as well as donate and more information there. Also, events and campaigns that are happening. Uh, Wednesday, September 30th from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Um, cited for being in plain sight, how California polices being black, brown, or in unhoused in public. Did you know California police forces cited 250,000 non-traffic infractions in 2019 for offenses that primarily criminalize everyday behaviors such as standing, sleeping, owning a dog, and crossing the street? Tune into this expert panel as the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights of the San Francisco Bay Area, LCCRSF, reveals groundbreaking data from a recent study revealing how California police is being black, brown, or unhoused in public. And we have a call. Let's see. Oh. And they are not calling. OK. There's also a intro to Surge SF meeting Saturday, October 6th. And there's also Project Mask Maker, Make Masks for Impacted Communities, which is sponsored by the SF Seamsters Union, and you they also provide a link as well. So for more information, um, and or just to get on the uh, surge list, you can email them at surgesf at gmail.com. They have a Facebook page. I'm doing my best to get off Facebook. I'm not on there much. And I'm doing, there's also ways you can like download your information. I've been doing it slowly but surely to get off that awful site. Uh, and you can also email um, to get on the, if you want to add something to the email list or get on this list that I have shared, Surge SF plus the number, or just like the symbol for plus newsletter at gmail.com. Sounds like I've had a lot of coffee. I've only had one cup. I'm just, oh, there's so much to get to. Okay. One, that's one piece of information down. There's so much more, though. There's so many more events and actions that are happening. I'm going to keep going. Whew, I'm going to keep going. Oh, right. I also have a rant. Can I rant again about fucking next door and how it's just like I don't even know how to argue? I don't even have the energy to like argue with people who are like, I, I, you would think that folks, the idea is to, I don't know, if you're upset about something happening, shouldn't the main thing be like, okay, how do we prevent this from happening again? So for instance, folks are really upset about car break-ins 
And instead of being like, okay, well, why are people breaking into cars? Maybe it's because people are hungry or don't have housing or don't have any money or can't get their basic needs met. So why not help people instead of further criminalizing people? Anyway, that's me being very nice about it and just the the vitriol and the hatred for poor people on Nextdoor is just ridiculous. But what else would you expect from a platform that partners with the fucking police? Okay. <sighs> Plenty of protests happening, still continuing to happen. They happen every fucking day here, and I guess the I don't pay attention to the, the corporate media so much, but I've heard that they're not really sharing what happens. But however, there have been continuing protests happening and continuing for uh, Breonna Taylor and just... I, it's just, I don't even have the fucking words for it, but just to abolish the police and to defund them completely and to fund communities and to hold these officers accountable. Fucking murderers. Okay, how about something more cheerful, like uh, how we can survive uh, the election if there is one? See, I told you I've got positive news stories. Uh, this is from the NLG, National Lawyers Guild, uh, this is the San Francisco Bay Area chapter. Um, the NLG SF Bay Area is making moves to prepare for the signals that Trump and Barr are giving that we are entering a period of mass, let me just get out here, uh, mass repression a la COINTELPRO style of the 1960s from the designation of black and anti-fascist activists as terrorists under the Joint Terrorism Task Force to the call for fugitive task forces to track down activists to threatening to withdraw federal funding, uh, quote unquote, Antifa cities. And uh, also just a fucking reminder, Antifa is short for anti-fascist. So if you're against anti Antifa, if you're against, if you're against anti-fascist, you're a fucking fascist. So it's, uh, so cities that allow democratic pro protests to, okay, so they're against Antifa, quote unquote, cities, cities that allow democratic protests to the extrajudicial killing of Michael Renault, and they have a quote from William Barr, which I'm not going to fucking read because he's a fucking liar and a fascist, so I'm not even going to share his nonsense. Uh, the Federal Defense Task uh, met to discuss the urgency to develop legal strategy for defense and to build a movement grounded in solidarity and care for another as we resist injustice and repression of righteous protests of them. If you're interested in getting more involved in this work, please email sarah at nlgsf.org, and that's S-A-R-A at nlgsf.org. For those interested in getting more involved in electoral work, we will, be, we will have a section of the newsletter, see below, where we will post opportunities for NLGSF Bay Area members to get involved. Below is also an announcement for our annual membership meeting focused on what NLGSFBA can do to support voter protections and election defense. And also for those who celebrate, happy fall equinox and Shana Tovala. And that's from the uh, interim executive director, uh, Sarah Kirshner of the NLG, San Francisco. Okay. Um, normally I would take a breath between all of these things and uh, I still will, but it's just, there's, there's so much, there's so much to get to. Okay, next up, let's see, all right, done. Okay, this one's done. I'm working on several different methods here for sharing these these news. Okay, um, I've constantly in this country, it's a matter of learning and unlearning, and uh, there is a mindfulness seminar that's coming up. Actually, folks can already access. It's already been taped, but people can access it, and it's Dr. Angela Davis and John Kabat-Zinn discuss mindfulness and possibility of freedom, and this was 
introduced by the um, East Bay Meditation Center, which is a pretty awesome place. And there's a quote from Angela Davis. I come as someone who has tried to engage in a measure of self-care and who has developed an awareness of how important it is, particularly for the long-term sustainability of our social justice movements, to incorporate self-care practices based on mindfulness. Mindfulness and the possibility of freedom, Angela Davis and John Kabat-Zinn in dialogue was a benefit for the East Bay Meditation Center held on January 15th, 2015 in Oakland, and we're happy to offer a recording of the event. Angela and John's conversation resources us today as we witness the continued destructive impacts of structural racism and move towards collective liberation. An edited video of the event is now available and they provide a link here. I'm gonna click on it. And if you go to Eventbrite, and type in EBMC and you scroll down, you'll be brought to this. Again, if you, uh, you can also search through recording of Angela Davis and John Kabat-Zinn, EBMC benefit, the date on there is August 22nd and 15 to $250 suggested donation for this. And again, it's streaming now, so you can find it by going to Eventbrite, EBMC, recording of Angela Davis and John Kabat-Zinn, and that's K-A-B-A-T-Z-I-N-N. Okay. All right, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna get to as much as I can before we take our next music break. It's kind of helpful when I don't think about so much of this. I mean, I think about it, but also just to take it in, it's a lot. So, sure, it'll hit me later. Okay, another thing, another tool that folks can use, know your eviction rights. And this is from Tenants Together, California statewide organization for renters' rights. And you can find more information at tenantstogether.org. And it's also in, sp they also have information in Spanish as well. And I'm going to read um, a piece of their email. Know your eviction rights. The laws are confusing. We're here to help. Which law protects me best? Whichever protection, local, state, or federal, is strongest and applies to you. The federal CDC order is in effect alongside whatever state and local law exists. So no tenant is less protected than the CDC baseline. If you received an eviction notice, do, you do not leave your home yet. You have time to respond and should seek guidance from legal aid. Does the CDC order protect me? Anyone who will make less than $99,000 in 2020, which is most people I know, received a stimulus check or is likely to become homeless or live in close quarters if evicted. This covers evictions for non-payment or other types like no-fault evictions as well. It expires on January 1st, 2021. The CDC order asks that you make timely partial payments as close to the full rent as you can. And there's, okay, what does AB, okay, does AB 3088 protect me? You can never be evicted for rent that was due between March 2020 and January 2021 if you experienced COVID-related financial hardship, so long as you, one, respond to an eviction notice within 15 days by returning a completed declaration of impact, and two, pay at least 25% of the rent due between January, oops, sorry, between September 1st, 2020 and January 31st, 2021. AB 3088 expires on February 1st, 2021. What about my debt? Unpaid COVID-related rent debt and late fees are owed to your landlord starting March 1st, 2021. If you can pay at least 25% of the rent owed between September 1st, 2020 and January 31st, 2021 to protect yourself under both the CDC order and AB 3088, you should. What do I tell my landlord? 
I have a few thoughts about that, but I'm not a legal professional and uh, don't take my advice on this one. So I'm going to read what the professionals say. Uh, you cannot be evicted without just cause until February 1st, 2021 under AB 3088. This does not cover no-fault evictions, but the CDC order does. File a state or federal declaration of impact with your landlord if you receive an eviction notice. Document any evidence you have proving hardship or loss of income as a backup. Call our tenant counseling hotline at 888-495-8020. Visit tenantstogether.org forward slash COVID-19, the number 19, dash tenant dash defense. And their hotline is available. Um, again, that's 888-495-8020. Uh, it's available in both English and Spanish to help tenants free of charge. Um, and if you have means, you can also um, help them fund the hotline, which is run by trained volunteer counselors. Your donation will help us take care of our counselors, train more volunteers, improve our systems, and handle more cases from tenants. In solidarity, Tenants Together. So again, please go to tenantstogether.org. All right, 1220. I'm going to take a bit of a music break. I'm going to rest my voice for a bit, play some more tunes. Ah. That was Song 33 by No Name, after the, the communists have the music by They Might Be Giants. I might have said that. I'm just going real fast here. I'm going to play some more music, and we'll be back uh, after this.
The FBI says it has 5,000 open terrorism cases. 850 of those are domestic terrorism. This shit got me tripping, right? I'm just trying to live my life. They trying to take away my freedom. When I see them, it's on sight. That's how I feel, but for real, I can't do it. If I do something stupid, my family go through it. Understand I am fluent in the language of the truest. From the side with the bluest. Ride high with the toolie. Drive by, catch a bullet to the mind. Now you clueless. Make you understand fully how it feels to be foolish. Prosecutor trying to say I'm an extremist. Cause everything I say, they believe it. And I be on some left shit, down to the death shit. 40 cal pop, leave a cop a breath, list. What you know about it? Hey, bro, you know I'm about it. I hit him with another one. I think I'm DJ Khaled. It's that pop a pit challenge. Hashtag fuck the flag, yeah. Red, white, and blue, ooh. Throw it in the trash, yeah. Government is boo boo. It's time to wipe some ass, yeah. I be on some other shit that kind of hard to pass. And you can feel it in your gut. You know that you fed up. When the feds hit the block, we'll swap blowing it up. Cause these cops act tough with tanks and army guns But never feel safe when they ain't got one So how they gonna say that they protect and serve us When all they ever do is arrest and murder us They don't really want no beef Dressed in all black and we running the streets ACAB Now we ain't never scared of no punk police Officer down, officer down All you hear is sirens and a whole lot of rounds Officer down, officer down Time to show these police we ain't fucking around Politician tried to hit me with a F3 Say I'm making threats and I'm calling for they death, please I don't fuck with Becky White bitches like to talk a lot I'm not being racist, I'm just saying they like calling cops I be on some other shit They say that I'm a danger to the public So I became a target of the government These politicians really on some sucker shit, bitch I can't fuck with it Got me walking around with a trap phone Cause I'm paranoid, you ain't got no backbone So you call the boys, hide behind a fucking badge Oh, you a man, huh? Black tee, black mask, black out them cameras Black block on your back block, get your ass rocked Oh no, watch for Popo, get your ass got Federal mascot, sponsored by Padlock He had his hands up, still got his ass shot They don't really want no beef Dressed in all black and we running the streets A-C-A-B now we ain't never scared of no punk police Officer down, officer down All you hear is sirens and a whole lot of rounds Officer down, officer down Time to show these police we ain't fucking around ACAB till they bury me I don't think you hearing me America ain't fearing me, young white male, I can get away with everything. This the type of shit that make you wanna offer officer. 25 to life, be the only thing they offer us. But since I'm white, I just might be the case. All because of my race, what a fucking disgrace. They don't really want no beef, dressed in all black and we running the streets. ACAB, now we ain't never scared of no punk police. Officer down, officer down All you hear is sirens and a whole lot of rounds Officer down, officer down Time to show these police we ain't fucking around Illegal business is the same as legal business They both have to regulate themselves And they both use violence to regulate themselves Viol Violence is something necessary for business So if you have a, a, a legal business, let's say a supermarket and you take a, a carton of groceries out and don't pay for it, you are gonna be met with a physical force. 
Now, that physical force may be the security of the supermarket, and it may be the police. The police is who backs up the laws. Welcome back to the Weekly Review. I'm joined by Rin Gonzalez. Rin, thanks for calling in. It's great to be here, Roman. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. And thanks to Shirley for uh, recommending that we connect. Um, I thought we could talk a little bit about, uh, first of all, if you wanted to um, speak a little bit about um, uh, programs or services that Out Youth um, is, is offering and resources for, for folks out there. Yeah, certainly. So I work at Out Youth, which is as far as we know, the second oldest still operating LGBTQIA plus youth uh, and now young adult adult serving organization in the United States. Uh, well, I guess I should clarify. We are definitely the second oldest youth serving organization. We now also happen to serve adults. Um, but we opened in 1990 mm -hmm. uh, in living rooms across Austin. So we were started by two social workers who were studying at the University of Texas at Austin, and they'd both grown up as queer-identified folks in the South mm. in the 70s and 80s. So they wanted to do their best to help support the future generation. So they did what social workers tend to do. Uh, they created peer-facilitated support groups, mm. which is just their fancy way of saying that they created safe spaces for youth to come together and talk about what they were going through. So that part about the living rooms is really interesting 30 years later because as we were inviting youth into living rooms across Austin in 1990, they are now inviting us into theirs mm. virtually yes. because of the pandemic. So almost everything that Out Youth does nowadays is completely online and virtual. We mm -hmm. do still have a couple of in-person services like our Queer and Trans Community Closet which provides things like uh, grocery store gift cards, fresh produce, dry goods, canned goods, hygiene kit, gender-affirming items, art activities and supplies, school supplies, and on and on and on. Oh, that's wonderful. So like a, a food pantry, but with all the things. Oh, that's great. Uh, but what we are best known for, I think, at least in my realm of out youth, is our virtual drop-in center. Mm-hmm which used to be physical, but yes. our virtual drop-in center is open four nights a week from 6 to 7.15 for youth ages 12 to 18. Those programs are all led by a team of youth advocates. So all of the programming that is provided during virtual drop-in is facilitated uh, by youth for youth. Whether or not that means that the youth are actually presenting it, uh, that depends. For example, we have some folks come in to teach things like improv or 
Thoughtfully Comprehensive and Inclusive Sexual Health, or How to Write Poetry, or How to Advocate as a Young Person for Social Change. Uh, other than that, we do individual counseling, group counseling. Uh, one of the things I am most excited about, uh, as excited as one can get uh, when talking about the changes brought on by the global pandemic, yeah. we have been able to connect with people across the state of Texas that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to connect with, but also people across the United States and all around the world. So one of the things that we are having to uh, reckon with now is making sure that our programs and services are safe and accessible for everyone, no matter where they're at. Yeah. One of the things that I really want to bring online in the next month or so is an entirely online virtual community center that will be open 24-7 via Discord, uh, primarily for LGBTQIA plus youth, but we are looking into all the other ways that we can build virtual community for folks that may not otherwise have that kind of connection in their communities. Sounds so helpful. I'd imagine also, particularly for, for folks who live in more isolated areas, I mean, the internet would be the one way where folks can connect with other people who have had similar experiences. Correct. And that's been the beauty of having the internet during this time. Yes. Again, hearkening back to 1990, the, the interesting part of our story about youth is, you know, in 1990, most people didn't have a computer, much less the internet. Mm -hmm. And if you did, the internet made a terrible noise. <laughs> I so, remember. <laughs> out youth did not have a website until the mid to late 90s. Mm -hmm. So the question was asked of me several years ago, so if there wasn't the internet, what did you do? And I admit I was at a loss. So I reached out to folks who were involved in those early days, and it turns out that we would make photocopies of our flyers and then send volunteers into the public libraries across Austin, and they would slip those flyers in between the pages of LGBTQIA-themed books Yes. Uh, and uh, the dictionaries. So they'd go through every dictionary they could find and slip the flyer in on the pages where you could find the definition for the words lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. Yes. So real real rugged in those early years mm -hmm. and still 30 years later we have over 30,000 members in the out you family that live all over the world uh, whether or not they are new because of the pandemic or because maybe they were part of the family a decade or two ago and they now live in places like Japan and England and France and Austria and Australia and <laughs> all over. Sorry, there's just a little bit of noise outside here. That's great. And the mentioning the putting the pieces of paper inside books reminds me, I did some community organizing in the South U.S. maybe in like 2009, 2010, and one of our stops was Liberty University, like the Falwell, very right-wing mm -hmm. religious school. And in, they did have a library. Um, however, all the books that had to do with I either gender or sexuality were very extremely patriarchal and homophobic, transphobic, etc. And so our friend and I did put in like little notes in those books just to be like, hey, there are other resources out there. And I would imagine for folks, if you are trying to learn about who you are or who you could be, 
and th this is like all the information that you can get, especially if the internet has blocked off certain sites. It must be really tricky for, for youth. Definitely. Yeah. So we attempt to make it as accessible as possible, knowing that there is no one way to do it perfectly. And we still have a duty to make sure that they feel as safe and supportive safe and supported as possible. Yeah, and something else I was going to mention um, is that I, I came out as trans in 2008, and I remember there was certainly a lot, you know, fewer resources at the time and a lot less visibility, and now thankfully there's more. And I was just curious as to what in particular maybe trans and non-binary youth are dealing with today, just to get a sense of that. Uh, well, thankfully we have the internet. Yeah which can be good and bad. Yeah. One of the things that we have to combat a lot is misinformation that's spread on the internet, right. uh, not maliciously in most cases, mm -hmm. but making sure that you have accurate information that reflects their identity and where they see their life going. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, a lot of what we see now is media whether we feel positively or negatively about representation in the media, we do have to set that aside for a moment and acknowledge that there are far more representations of trans people in media today than there were in 2008. Yes, yes. Now, still a lot of work to do about making sure that trans people plan, play trans roles, that we are not being cast as uh, the downtrodden the at-risk, the, the person to be pitied in all of these stories because we know it to be true that trans people are wonderful and miraculous and do amazing things. And those stories need to be told. Absolutely. And my hope is that this newer generation of trans youth will be the content creators because of things like social media to further spread the word. Yes. But at the end of the day, uh, I cannot help but observe that at least trans youth today know that other trans people exist because of mainstream media. Mm -hmm. Whereas I definitely didn't know that trans people existed Yes. when yes. I was their age. be impacted by what is going on in politics until they are no longer at risk of having their lives uh, detrimentally impacted by the decisions made by people who were elected to represent them and choose not to, period. I think that goes without saying, but like I tell the youth at out, youth, sometimes these things still need to be said out loud as a reminder. They are afraid, I think as many of us are, about what comes next. At the same time, I have the benefit of working with these youth every day. 
And what they are starting to awaken to is an understanding that as young people, their voices often carry much more power than mine does as an adult. Because youth are raised in a society with a particular narrative about what youth can accomplish and what their place is. And thanks to the work that has been done by our ancestors in the trans community, especially, they are awakening and understanding where they can most be of benefit to themselves and to each other. I also think it helps that they were raised with stories that showed the power of young people in changing the worlds that they existed in. All the issues with J.K. Rowling aside, uh, many of the youth that we work with have read and cherished the Harry Potter series, yes. which fundamentally was about young people rising up against a fascist government mm -hmm. and fighting for what was right. So they have a template. Yes. They don't necessarily know how, right. but they know that they can. And that's a step much farther forward than I think I would have been prepared for given the generation I was raised in. Yeah, same, same here. So I, I have hope mm -hmm. that regardless of what happens, regardless what happens in November, the youth are not going to stop. Right. Whoever is elected and whatever comes next, they they are smart enough to know how to hold people accountable mm -hmm. for their speech and their actions. Yes. Yeah, and I was curious, as someone who doesn't really work with kids too much, is there anything adults can do, um, aside from allowing kids to, or young, young adults to speak up, anything that we can do to assist them um, and help them with self-determination, I guess? Yes, the number one thing that I hear from youth all the time is that they absolutely despise it when adults say things like, oh my gosh, it must be so much easier to come out these days, or it uh, must be so much easier to be queer these days. Uh, yeah, uh, let's make this abundantly clear for everyone who's listening. Uh, you know, it, I cannot argue with a queer person who was growing up in the 80s and also lived through an epidemic pandemic and watched their friends and loved ones die. That, that is difficult, that is hard, that is nothing that I would wish on anyone. Mm -hmm. And it is also misguided to assume that youth have it so much easier nowadays. Yes. Because the, the general narrative of folks that grew up in the 80s, the average narrative, so let's make sure that we have that frame. Most people did not come out until their 20s, if then. Uh, they'd already completed college, if they were privileged enough to do so. In any case, they most likely moved to one of the larger cities where there was a queer population, and they faced family rejection, certainly, religious persecution, certainly, 
political retribution, certainly. And I always have to ask, you know, then what makes that harder than the life experience of the black trans girl that I work with right now who's growing up in rural Texas without any support? Who is to say that her life is easier? We can. And that is my deepest wish for our community is that we stop playing these uh, comparison games with one another. Yes. It, the core of what our community has always sought to be about, in my opinion, is empathy. Uh, the most brilliant thing about our people is that we are intersectional, not by choice, but by nature. Now, we fail at being intersectional, and we have to address that as a community. Yes. But ours is, as much as I have looked into this, I really can't find another community of people who represent all sorts of communities that are also marginalized. That when you attack Muslims, you are attacking queer people. When you attack women, you are attacking queer people. When you attack people like me with a disability, you are attacking queer people. That there is something beautiful to me about that. And again, the privilege of being able to work with youth who didn't have to be taught this, at least in the realms that I work in and the youth that I have the benefit of working with, we didn't have to teach them this. They already knew it. Yes, yes. And to have to talk them through why adults do the things that they do, mm. um, they use very choice words that I probably shouldn't say on the radio. Um, they don't understand it. it. It does not compute. So what I always ask adults to do is get out of the way. Make sure that the youth in your life know how powerful they are, especially their voice. A great example of that here in Texas, our State Board of Education just met a week or two ago to discuss sexual health education standards in Texas. They did a very terrible job, in my opinion, because they still do not want to acknowledge that queer people exist. Um, not a surprise, and still disappointing. But one of the most interesting things was conveying to the youth that I can sign up to testify at those hearings all day long. They don't want to hear from me. They don't. One, I make them uncomfortable with my mere presence. And two, they know what I'm going to say. But being able to teach them and talk them through, do you know how powerful it is if you sign up as a youth who this will directly impact? and tell them exactly what you think. And their minds were blown at that same time that they were, they were also understanding that that was a piece of power that they didn't know that they had. So remind the young people in your life of all the ways that they have power mm. in this world. Do not feed into that narrative that they need to wait until they are, quote, unquote, an adult. Yeah 
because at 35 years old, I am still waiting to become quote unquote an adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. I'm yeah. Um, still figuring it out. Yep. Um, telling them they have the power now, and then getting out of their way. The amazing and creative things that our youth come up with every day would not happen if we were constantly meddling in what they do. I think also part of it's that they are experiencing different things than, than we did when we were their age. So we really have no, or I, I can only speak for myself, but I have no say in terms of what their life is like. So I can't imagine the idea of wanting to censor uh, a child or a young adult. Correct. We can. We have the power yeah. as adults to do that. Yes. And it's upon us to remember not to do that. Right. Yeah, there was a term I heard uh, a few years ago I hadn't even thought about called, like, it's like adult supremacy and this idea that how just of, like, adults kind of controlling children and or get kind of going beyond or just, like, a way of really um, stopping young adults from being who they are and who they want to be and their ways of thinking and expressing themselves. Yes. Because we think we know better. And I'm still guilty of it. That's the thing that I try to train about all the time. I get paid to do this. I am paid to be the professional in LGBTQIA plus youth development. And I don't do it perfectly. But I also know well enough to know that I need to acknowledge when I've messed it up and clean up my mess. Yes. And what is so humbling about the youth that I get to work with is that they're open to it. They know that I'm not going to be perfect because I don't expect them to be either. And being that kind of role model to youth mm. to show them what it means to mess up, gosh, I hope they carry that forward with them through the rest of their lives yes. and teach other people how to do it. Yes. That's why we got in this, well, there's many reasons why we're in the mess that we're in right now, but a big piece of it, in my opinion, is we don't want to admit when we've gotten it wrong. It's the, that's the this United States right there. I mean, just the history of this country. It's just not dealing with its past or present. Yes. And simultaneously saying, um, stop living in the past. We are beyond that. And also calling on the past to justify what's happening now. Right. It's, it's a level of cognitive dissonance that gives me a migraine. Yes. Yeah. It's enraging. Uh, you mentioned uh, role models. And I was thinking, too, about how I also grew up in the 80s and how just this idea like now as an adult realizing what was happening with HIV and AIDS during that time and how many queer adults now, we did not have some of the same role models. We did not have as many role models as we would have had not had it not been for the HIV and AIDS epidemic. And so I think now that there's, now that some of us are now adults and like trying to become these role models for younger folks, a lot of us didn't quite have that at when, mm -hmm. we, were, when we were their age because the community was dealing with these massive deaths and caring for, for the sick. Yes. Uh, it is one of the strangest things to be called an elder mm -hmm. at 35. Mm -hmm. uh, and I asked one of the youth once, like, why are you teasing me? And they're like, no, there's just really... 
there's this gap. And we do our best to introduce them to their elders, yes. true elders. Um, but to come to that realization that you are looking up to me as an elder, not because I am older than you, but because you don't have any other representations mm -hmm. of what being an adult looks like for you. And that's really humbling. So a, a big piece of the work that lays ahead for out youth, and I think the entire community is building these intergenerational bonds, mm -hmm. which in order to do that, we have to reckon with uh, internalized homophobia. Yes. Uh, it is still very difficult. To, and I may speak a little out of turn. Feel free to come at me on social media, and, and any of you. That's, that's fine. And I see it a lot with cis gay men. Oh, yeah. Who very much want to be involved in the work that Out Youth does, but can't or won't for fear that they will be labeled or perceived as a predator. Mm. And so much the same way as I encounter a pretty consistent message from trans youth that they don't have elders, I'm hearing the same thing from gay cis boys. Mm. That what the people that they have to look up to are people that they see on social media, not necessarily interact with, mm. which my fear ultimately is not being able to talk to people directly and thinking of the kinds of men that these young gay men may be following on social media like imagine all of the body dysmorphia issues that we are going to see uh magnified yes right? they're already there i'm not saying that they don't and i am bracing myself for what does this mean when these young gay men become the adults who then may not have the same qualms about being a mentor and how do we do a stopgap between the things that they were raised to believe are mm. true about being a gayest man yes and they're passing it along because all of this it's like i tell the kids all the time no two people's stories are the same i don't know where i got this from to look it up but a very favorite quote of mine. No two people's stories are the same, but they rhyme. Hmm. And these echoes of the rhyming are what concern me long-term for our community. Yes. So hmm. how are, again, back to that question you asked me before, what can adults be doing? Be cognizant of the messages that you are sending as best you can. Yes because you don't know how those are filtering in and setting up residency in the minds of young people who yeah. look up to you. And I would also imagine that given how much information there is now with kids who grew up with the internet and with streaming services, so there's so many programs available, there's so much that's out there, how one really has to like pick and find what they want to take in and examine it. Yes, and that 
that gets into a very nerdy area of youth development that I get to geek out on all the time, uh -huh. which is also the neuroscience of it. Mm. What, what adults often lament about youth is that they are always on media, whatever the media is, very mm -hmm. media-focused generation, mm -hmm. which cracks me up because I was watching I Love Lucy the other day, uh -huh. uh, and Lucy and Ricky are having breakfast, and Lucy's trying to talk to Ricky, and Ricky is not hearing a thing that she's saying mm -hmm. because he's so absorbed in the newspaper. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm like, you could swap that newspaper out for an iPhone, and it's the same thing. Yes, yes. Uh, we've always been distracted yes. by media. Um, what I am really intrigued about is how youth are curating the media mm -hmm. that they are taking in. Yes. Some are better than others at it, of course. Uh, but not only this curation, but how does that decision process happen given that their frontal cortexes in the neuroscience aspect of development are not fully formed? Yes. So it's really intriguing to watch how these generations continue to – and I've been doing this work at Out Youth for 15 years in various roles. Mm. So I, I, I told this to a group of college students the other day, and I'm starting to get to that age where I'm realizing that I might be older than I feel. Um, I was explaining to them that when I started volunteering at Out Youth, the iPhone didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. And – these are college students who uh, don't really remember a time before iPhones, which is weird, really weird. Um, so I've been observing for 15 years how youth interact in digital spaces and with media and how it's changed over time. And I place no value judgment on it, except when I tell them, do not consume media that makes you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Like that's really the one hard and fast rule about you. If you come to me and you tell me that you're depressed and we dig into it and I find out that you're feeling bad about your body because you're following all of these gym bound, cis gay men on Instagram, we're going to have a conversation about it because that's not good for you. If it makes you feel bad about yourself, you probably shouldn't be consuming it. Yeah. Or how do you consume it responsibly or reframe it in a different way? Or what are all of those strategies? And it's, it's something that we have to teach as adults as we are learning it. Mm. That whole like building the airplane while we fly it. And I'm also going to do it wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also like lessons that as adults, as someone who's approaching 40, like I also need to remember that to get off social media when it makes me feel bad about myself. And yes. it's such a new technology that, I mean, yeah, just, I would repeat what you're saying, but just it's, it's these messages that are for kids and then also for adults. Like there are plenty of us adults who engage in this um, kind of addictive behavior um, you know, searching for connection online, and oftentimes it has the opposite effect where we end up feeling more disconnected or worse about ourselves or more isolated. Correct. And I want to say this to the adults who are listening because I get a feeling I have a sense of who is in your audience. One of the things that we have to understand as people who were 
perhaps raised with technology, but not around adults who knew how to help us use it. One of the things that I have discovered in the last year or two, well, let's say starting in 2016, and you can assume what happened in that year that would have led me to this conclusion. Um, there was lots of shaming going on of especially progressive folks around uh, media consumption, specifically these echo chambers, the bubbles, the silos that we exist in. And so I took that to heart as a judgment on myself and my character. So I started following and engaging with media. Um, and it made me feel bad every day. And so there is this aspect of curation that is self-preservation. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy sci-fi. Mm -hmm. I will watch everything in the Star Trek universe that they ever released. And fan films. Yes. Um, I will consume that all day long. Does that mean that in order to be fair and balanced, I also have to consume everything produced in the Star Wars universe? No. Did I care for the last third of the trilogy? No. Last third of the trilogy. No. What was it? The Nine Arc? Whatever. You know what I'm saying. The last three films, they were fine. Um, but I can't get enough of that baby Yoda. So I'm going to consume that. Um, it's all about finding what works, and it changes day to day. That, yes, it is important to be informed, but especially queer people are not beholden to this requirement to subject ourselves and do the emotional labor of reading all of the terrible things that are being said about us. Yeah, yeah. Why would we do that? Why did I do that? Let's put it in a nice statement. Why did I do that to myself for so long? Yeah. I felt like I had to. Mm -hmm. And my life is so much brighter now. I know that bad things are going on, but now I am not spending emotional energy reading terrible stuff and instead redevoting that energy to the places where I know it's just going to drive out that darkness. Yeah. You um, also wrote a book, um, uh, growing up a growing up guide for trans and non-binary youth, and I thought yeah. we could talk a little bit about that because that seems like something in line with ways to dedicate one's energy to helping folks. Yes. So my friend, co-author, and colleague, Dr. Karen Rain, and I wrote Trans Plus. Love, Sex, Romance, and Being You, it is a growing up guide mm -hmm. for trans and non-binary youth, and all the people love them. Mm. And we're going to start there. Okay. Because one of the unexpected things in writing this book was how much adults like the book. Aww. And it cracks me up, because the entire time, writing this book, and I'm like, I have worked with you for 15 years. I know how we want to write this. We were modeling a lot of the language and tone off of Karen's previous book, Girl, Love, Sex, Romance, and Being You. Um, the number of parents that have reached out and said, thank you for writing this. I've read other stuff meant for parents, but this has been the most helpful. And in digging deeper, we figured out why. 
these parents, when they read the same book that their kid read, they shared a common vocabulary to talk about what was going on. Mm. Parents read these books that are written for parents, which I am not discouraging people from doing. For years at Out Youth, we considered the transgender child and later the transgender teen the Bibles in what we did. Are they perfect? No, of course not. Nothing is perfect. Our book isn't perfect. There's stuff in there that, um, well, everything in there is factual, but the longer we go, the more I realize how much was left out. Mm-hmm. Also because they wouldn't let me write a 4,000-page book. <laughs> um, that's really hard to print, apparently. Um <laughs> So knowing that's where that line comes from about all the people who love that, that the book was written to be accessible for youth, but having entire families read it to make sure that they're saying the same thing and using it as a reference to frame their conversations has been beneficial in a way that we couldn't have predicted. Mm. Now, the funny part is um, Karen when she was writing Girl, or as she was negotiating the contract for Girl, one of uh, the stipulations was as soon as, well, two things related to our future book. One, Girl had to speak to and address any person who identified as a girl. And two, the publisher had to commit to printing a book, publishing a book for trans and non-binary youth. Great. So, Karen finishes Girl, and publisher comes around and says, okay, now uh, we need you to start writing trans. And Karen said, no. Why? Well, Karen is a white, cis, lesbian. She's like, I am not qualified to write this book. And so they said, well, help us find an author. So Karen reached out to a bunch of trans authors that she knew. No one wanted to write it. Um, Imagination Press works with um, only established authors. So Karen hadn't reached out to me. But one day she said, I have this project. I want to talk to you about it. She calls me, talk about it. Gives me the whole rundown. And she's like, do you want to write a book? And I said, no, of course I don't. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> Why would I, I didn't like writing turd papers in college. Why would I enjoy writing a nonfiction book? And she said, well, here's the thing. If you don't write it, it's never going to be written. And so I said a few choice words that I shouldn't say on the radio. That's okay. It's uncensored here if you need to. Okay, good. Um, (laughs) And that's where trans started. Mm. Uh, I, I was given the option to either write it by myself or with Karen. And having not ever written a book before, I was not going to turn down the opportunity to have a co-author. Yes. Um, I do not have an ego big enough to presume that I knew what I was doing. Um, But really the benefit of having Karen there not only as a friend and colleague, but as an expert, the absolute unqualified... See, I had an argument with my partner about that word the other day. She is the expert. Um, she is the executive director of Unhushed, a nonprofit that provides fully inclusive and comprehensive sexual health education uh, to youth, primarily. 
and having Karen on board to back stuff around with my favorite thing in the book, and I know it makes her blush every time. She's trying to figure out how to talk about chances of pregnancy with trans youth without making it a dysphoria-inducing conversation. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, you know, if you are a trans youth and you are in a a sexual relationship with another trans youth, if you have a penis and they have a vagina, like that's going to be, that doesn't even sound great to me. Yeah. I have these medical conversations all day long. I can have them. It doesn't sound right. So she's trying to figure out how do we talk about chances of getting pregnant. And she came up with the most brilliant solution. So egg cells and sperm cells are called gametes. Mm -hmm. So she came up with the phrase gamete situation. Mm. So we say in the book, depending on your particular gamete situation with you and your sexual partner, there's a chance you get pregnant. And I thought it was brilliant. Mm. I still think it's brilliant. Still my favorite part. Um, So having her there was supportive in a way that I didn't know I needed. We also got to read and review each other's work. So by the time it got to the point where it needed to go to the editor, it was ready. It it was ready to go. I mean, it still needed copy editing, but it really sped up the process once the manuscript was delivered. Uh, I also have to give a shout out to Anne Tachier, our illustrator. Uh, who is non-binary, uses they, them pronouns, did the most fantastic art in the book. Mm. I can't, I just cannot. Every time I look at it, I'm so thankful that they were involved as our illustrator because everything is spot on and inclusive and adorable and beautiful. And of course, Karen's partner, Nick, Karen's wife, Nick, uh, did all of the medical illustrations as well, which is phenomenal because there's having somebody like Nick on board for the project that understood how critical it was to minimize as much as possible any dysphoria that might occur from looking at medical diagrams was mm. key. I, I can't imagine what would have happened if we had to hire just some medical illustrator <laughs> just randomly. Um, yeah, so I'm very, very, very proud of the book. And if you will indulge me, yeah, I'm going to read the very first thing that I wrote. Ah, yes. It, that didn't, didn't know it was going to end up like this. But Karen said at the very beginning, she's like, you know, here are the things that we need to make sure that we write as part of the book, like here's chapters, section, section headers, section introductions, all that, and uh, a dear reader, like a note from us at the beginning. So the, the very beginning of the book is our love note to the youth who read it. Dear reader, no matter where you live, it is important to know this. Transgender and gender non-binary people have often held a revered place in their societies. We have been healers, 
shamans, revered rulers. We are no less than the stars, and we are expressions of all that is beautiful in this universe that knows no other constant but change. So go forward in this book, in your life, in your world, knowing that you are perfect, whole, and complete. Operate from a place where you know your own power, your own marvelousness. Know that your ancestors were no less than gods. Because it was true. How many of us as trans adults needed to hear that as kids? Oh, it's beautiful. I will also point out that the avatars that Anne drew of us that are directly under that statement are also really adorable. Mm. So if, if folks um, would like to order the book, is there a way that they can buy it directly from the publisher? Yes, and I'm glad you asked that. So one of the things I am very passionate about mm -hmm. is making sure that people are supporting their local bookstores. Yes, yes. Um, the, the your personal politics about Amazon aside, um, we have gotten so much love and support from independent booksellers across the nation. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things to do is get random pictures from people mm. uh, on the so the, let's back up. You can find more information about the book at thetransbook.com. Not that we're the only trans book, but it was available. <laughs> um, the trans book, and that's our handle on all of the social media. So you can find us on Instagram is usually where I get these pictures I'm talking about. People will send me pictures of trans in their local bookshops. Uh. Uh, and also share with me the stories of when they ask the bookseller why that book is there. And usually it's like face out, featured on a table or so. so that's always really touching, too, to see your book not just, like, shelved yeah. up high, uh, but to actually see it out in the wild like that. And they share those stories. Uh, to know that independent booksellers across the nation understand the importance of this book and are doing their best to put it in the hands of people who need it the most is, is really touching. Uh, you can't get that from Amazon. I mean, you can get the book from Amazon, but you can't get that kind of thing right. from Amazon. Amazon is also the only place that you can currently get it as an ebook, so I will point that out. Uh, but on thetransbook.com, there is a page that lists all of the cool places that you can buy the book um, if you don't have a local independent bookseller. Uh, and if you, though, you can always buy it directly from the publisher. I, I have a very soft place in my heart for our local bookseller. Uh, well, we have two. Our local independent bookseller here in Austin, Book People, hosted our international book release party and reading and signing. And then Book Woman is our local feminist bookstore uh, that we also do a lot of work with at Out Youth. We're actually, well, we're going back and forth right now trying to schedule a meeting, but we're trying to work with Book Woman on a response to J.K. Rowling's persistent nonsense, yeah. Um, yeah. where we partner on creating a list of books and making them available to LGBTQIA plus youth 
who are wanting a replacement mm. series mm -hmm. because they can no longer stomach. Um, so, yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah. Support your local bookseller. Definitely. Yeah, here in San Francisco, Green Arcade, Green Apple, Alley Cat, Dogyard Books, Adobe. Oh, Alley Cat. Yeah. Yeah, lots of great bookstores. I mean, unfortunately, some have closed. Um, I haven't mentioned, like, Modern Times. <laughs> I missed that one. Um, but, yeah, definitely want to encourage folks to support local bookstores. Excellent. Is there anything else you wanted to share or promote while we have you on the line? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I'm going to circle back to Out Youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the place to end. So you can find more about OutYouth at outyouth.org. Mm -hmm. uh, like I was mentioning uh, at the beginning of our conversation, we're trying to launch a 24-7 virtual community center. What that's going to end up looking like, we still are figuring that out. But I want everyone to take a moment and just think about what it means that in Texas, of all places, in 1990, out youth began hmm. in something as simple as living rooms because two people saw a need and did what they could with what they had, where they were, to make sure that youth were feeling supportive and supported. Um, and you can do that too. I know it sounds daunting. I know it sounds scary. And what continues to delight me all of these years later is when I think about our programs and services, the ones that have been most successful and the ones that have stood the test of time all share something in common. They created safe spaces for youth to come together and talk about what they were going through. That's really it. I mean, there's stuff that is on top of that and around it, of course but it really can be as simple as bringing people together. Mm. And that doesn't mean that uh, you have to control the space. In fact, you probably shouldn't. But if your role can be finding the place and holding the space for others to do with as they need, you can change the world too. It's wonderful to sit here and talk about what we've done, talk about out you, talk about our 30,000 family members all over the world and knowing that what they learned being part of the family uh, all of those years ago, that they've carried that forward as little beacons of light. I trust that every member of our family is doing their very best to make the world a better place. And I guess that's a bit on pride. Uh, youth, as they start to age out of our programs, always come and end up asking me the same thing. They'll ask it in different ways, but the core of it is always the same. Rin, what can I do to make you proud of me as I go out into the world? And I always tell them the same thing. Like, look, when, when I run into you again in 10 or 15 years, I'm not going to ask you if you went to college. 
I'm not going to ask you where you went to college. I'm not going to ask you what you study. I'm not going to ask you where you got a job, how much money you make, whether or not you got a nice car or the fancy watch, how big your house is, where you live, how famous you are, how many followers you've got. I'm going to ask you three things. Are you happy? Have you done as little harm in the world as possible? And are you more yourself today than you were in all the days before? And if you can answer yes to all of those questions, I'm going to be proud of you. And the dirty little secret is you could say no to all of those. I'm still going to love you. And you can bet your ass that I'm going to have a conversation with you. Because if you are doing harm in the world, or you're not happy, or you are not being yourself, that needs to be talked about. All I've ever wanted, all that we have ever wanted for our young people is for them to be happy, to feel a part of something, to feel like part of a family. And everyone deserves that if they want it. Yes. And so knowing that we've been doing that for almost as long as I've been alive, Miraculous. Um, also, looking back at the pictures from over the last 30 years is also a trip. Um, I can say that gay men have been dyeing their hair forever. <laughs> there is just something about a bleach blonde hairdo that is just never going to go out of style, I don't think. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. Um, it's deep, deeply touching. It's always a pleasure to share the story. Yes. And, and we humans are wired for stories. Yes. So anytime you can tell your story or the story of something that means a lot to you, anytime I get to do that, I'm always going to jump at the chance. Mm -hmm. So what that means is if anyone else wants me to tell my story, you know where to find me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rin. Yeah, you're very welcome, Roman. It's wonderful to speak to you today. You as well. <sighs> All right. We're going to take a bit of a music break, and we'll be back in a bit. Thanks again to Rin Gonzalez for calling in.
system and I'll tell you the reason why it has caused me so much suffering and my dearest friends to die well I know you all are wondering what it has done to me well I am going to tell you that my husband has TB brought on by hard work and low wages and never enough to eat from going cold and hungry with no shoes upon his feet my husband was a coal miner who worked hard and risked his life just trying to support three children himself his mother and wife well i had a blue-eyed baby was the darling of my heart but from my little darling her mother had to part while the rich and mighty capitalist goes dressed in jewels and silk my darling blue-eyed baby has died for the want of milk well they call this land of plenty and for them i guess it's true for the rich and mighty capitalists not for workers like me now what can we do about it to these men of power and might well i tell you mr capitalist we are going to fight 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 the bell project tbp house all the way from 11 different cities all over the country coming here to Los Angeles to rock the mic, get people free. and here just for the, at the convening 2019 for Bell Project. Just <laughs> hanging out with y'all, learning, training, workshopping, building some community, awesome. Can't wait for the rest of the week. Hey everybody, I'm Shaquilla from the St. Louis office here in LA. I think I might move to Smith's Mice. <laughs> to that negative degrees in St. Louis. I'm Angel Tommy Sam. I am from Spokane, Washington, the, the newest site 
with the Bail Project. I'm, I'm just really excited to be here, um, to see faces, to names, to emails, and um, to just really see this collaborative effort to, to reduce jail population. We saw that cash bail is a bigger issue than what we thought. We saw that cash bail doesn't just end with state charges and criminal charges, but it's also predatory ticketing, right? There's, there's a whole thing that's, that capitalism has built for us. It's built off money. The system is built off money. We all know that when people miss court, it's, it's really never because they didn't feel like going. They couldn't find a babysitter. They, uh, they had car problems. There's addiction problems. There's depression. So there's all these things that are going on that once you pay bail, for some clients, you just gotta remind them, and that's all it is. Other clients, there's other resources that are needed to give them the same fighting chance that we want for our clients. One of the things that I find super important is to say, here's the resource, give them a call, call me back after you do that, let me know what happened. Letting people know they can do it themselves and encouraging them and just guiding them on how. I put this thing, we are the ones that we've been waiting for because that's how I operate. It, what can I do, how can I do it, and where can I do it? And a lot of people we meet during our bail project work, they want to know how they can use their energy. So being connected to local grassroots movements is a way to take action to use that energy. getting together with all, I call them all my co-workers. Even though we're all in different sites and different cities, these are my co-workers. We're doing something new, right? This is new work, and we're still in learning curves for some of it, and so I think that's coming together is, is a really big deal, and it shows how much we've grown, it shows how much we want to work together, and we can trade best practices. There's so much that we can develop and build out. I'm happy to be here to help Bring it. <laughs> All right, that was a video from the Bail Project. For more information, please go to bailproject.org. That's B-A-I-L-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.org. Before that, played some music. You heard a song called I Hate the Capitalist System by Barbara Dane. Before that, The Age of Innocence by Ellen Bernstein from the Age of Innocence soundtrack. And before that, Staring Across the Water by the Afghan Whigs. And previously, music we played in the second uh, the second music block uh, first was I'm a Soldier by the Afghan Whigs, followed by Officer Down by Icy Jake. I hadn't heard that song before. I was glad to play that. Got a few more resources as we close up the show here. The ACLU has provided a history of U.S. policing, a thread. So if you follow ACLU, just the regular ACLU on Twitter, they've posted this on September 23rd. The modern system of policing is rotten to its core, and here's how we got here. So it's a long thread about that. I also want to recommend a book I am reading called In Defense of Looting by Vicki Osterweil. It's really, 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 really good. It's really good. Really good. I highly recommend it. Could not recommend it any more highly. In Defense of Looting by Vicki Osterweil. Please get it from your local bookstore. Also, uh, there's an article from uh, Crime Think, and that's C-R-I-M-E-T-H-I-N-C dot com. And this is a demonstrator's guide to responding to gunshot wounds, what everyone should know. So just uh, keeping folks as on top of things as possible. If you go to Crime Think, this article came out on September 24th. 
and they have links to personal narratives describing experiences with gunshot wounds at demonstrations as well as just more descriptions and lots of information uh you know parts include you know just paying attention to what's going on being prepared um information about street medics uh what to do before the demonstration equipment to have they have photos as well um what to do if a shooting occurs um, and immediate treatment options and they also provide a succinct step-by-step -step guide to using a tourniquet and more information uh, as well as evacuation and what to do at the hospital what to do back at home trauma um, and in the context of a long-term struggle for liberation so again go to crimethink.com and that's c-r-i-m-e-t-h-i-n-c.com and this article came out on September September 24th this year, 2020. Next up, and there's plenty more to talk about. Oh my. Um, there is uh, an article from Caitlin Johnstone at Medium, Throw Sand in the Gears of the Machine. This came out on September 24th. It's in uh, Medium. And I'll read the first few paragraphs here. Humanity will continue along its self-destructive trajectory until the masses use the power of their numbers to force real change. Humanity will not use the power of its numbers to force real change as long as it's being successfully propagandized not to do so. The oligarchic propaganda machine is therefore the primary barrier to our transition from our self-destructive patterns into a healthy collaborative relationship with each other and our ecosystem. So throw sand in the gears of the machine. If enough of us throw sand, throw enough sand, we can cause the whole thing to break down. Kill public trust in the mass media by exposing their lies at every opportunity, from whatever platform you gain access to. Anywhere you can, find an audience, whether it's an audience of one or 10,000. Kill public trust in the establishment propaganda engine. Amplify solid voices, arguments, narratives, and facts that those in power don't want amplified. Wherever you see something healthy that makes them squirm, Give your energy to it and help it get as much traction as possible. Make them uncomfortable. Push the powerful until they're forced to push back, exposing themselves. Get the machine to overextend itself into the light where it can be seen by everyone. Create movement, and when that movement opens up gaps in the matrix, do everything you can to shove as much truth as possible through those gaps. Improvise, move, pivot, and circle with the ever-shifting narrative matrix in real time. Don't attack in the same place for too long. When the narrative managers start pouring their energy into protecting a given story, move to another location like a boxer who strikes the body to get the opponent to drop their hands, leaving them open to a knockout blow. Find weak points in the armor of the machine and focus your firepower there. If there is a narrative the propagandists are guarding against, especially aggressively and effectively, don't waste your energy bashing your head against it. All you have to do is wake the public up to the fact that the plutocratic media are not trustworthy. It doesn't matter which of their lies you expose to do that. So just grab what's available. Be creative. Propagandists are motivated by base desires like power, money, and esteem. So they have no access to their own creative depths like we do. They have no inspiration, and people will naturally find them far less interesting than those who do. The more we can force the battle to be contested on this ground, the more wins will rack up. Be funny. Humor always works best when it's punching up and exposing the powerful, not opposing change and protecting power. This is why narrative managers are not funny. We are. Use that. Always be attacking. 
don't wait for the establishment to do something gross and then react defensively to its offensive maneuvers. Proactively attack it and put the bastards on the back foot. Constantly seek out things to mock, criticize, highlight, and remind people that the manipulators want unseen. That remind people of what? Of that the manipulators want unseen. The more you can force them to play defense, the less energy they'll have to attack and the more openings they'll leave us. They'll leave as they try to get you off of them. Make a constant study of how they fool people so you can draw people's attention to how they're being fooled. Make a constant study of how you fool yourself so you can understand how psychological manipulation really works. Keep working on yourself. The more psychologically healthy and lucid you are, the more useful you are in this fight. The more inner spaciousness you have, the more creativity and spontaneity you'll have to fight the manipulators in a free-form improvisational way. The more lucid you are, the more clearly you can see the machine. Keep fighting. Don't stop. Why would you stop? We either win this fight or resign ourselves to extinction, dystopia, whichever comes first. Fight like any other organism whose life is being threatened by any other predator. If you need to lay down and give up, lay down and give up. Then once you've felt the ground beneath you and how there's nowhere to fall, get back up and keep fighting. We have so very, very much untapped potential, and there is so very, very much going on that we do not yet understand. Despair is an irrational position on the battlefield of unknown surprises with an army of unknown power. Keep fighting and watch and see. Humanity will either awaken from its propaganda-induced trance, or it won't. When you have a loved one who won't leave an abusive relationship, all you can do is show them what you're seeing as tactfully as possible and then give them the freedom to find their own way out. When you have a species that is being pushed along a self-destructive trajectory by plutocratic propaganda built in service of plutocratic agendas, all you can do is show them they're being lied to and give them the opportunity to transcend the lies. Keep fighting, keep pushing, and watch and see. We absolutely have the freedom to pass this test. Whether we pass it or not remains to be seen. All we can do is keep throwing sand in the gears. And that's a piece from Caitlin Johnstone on Medium called Throw Sand in the Gears of the Machine. And you can find it on medium.com. Sounds like a good piece to wrap up with. I also can't, can't stop. There's also a podcast called It Could Happen Here, and uh, they have one last year, How the American People Can Beat the American Military. And that's from April 24th, 2019. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find that. Again, it's called It Could Happen Here. And also wanted just to uh, share a headline from our article from TechCrunch, and that is uh, Hootsuite says it will terminate its ICE contract without delay. That was written by Taylor Hatmaker, and it came out on September 24th, again from TechCrunch. So there's a lot of pressure put on Hootsuite to stop. Uh, they wouldn't go forward, to not go forward with a contract with ICE. And the article also lists other companies that um, have decided not to as well, and then there's some that have decided to continue working with ICE. Google was one that backed out of a military contract after public backlash. And as far as... Uh, Unfortunately, places that still do um, 
Anduril, I hadn't heard of Anduril, A-N-D-U-R-I-L, launches a smarter drone and picks up more money to build a virtual border wall. So fuck uh, Anduril. First time I can say that. And yeah, big fuck them and everyone who works with them. And big fuck you to all the folks who want to build a stupid ass fucking wall. All right. And okay, I think... Uh, yeah, I think that's going to end there because it's uh, got 12 minutes left. So I'm going to play some music. And thanks so much again to uh, Rin for calling in. Uh, just felt just great and healing and just super inspirational. So thanks again. And we'll be back next week. Please do check out the Weekly Review website we have at weeklyrev.wordpress.com. And we got links to all the shows, and we're working on slowly but surely details to all the shows as well as the links that we mentioned. I'm also eventually going to put up the uh, list of songs we play, so it'll just provide a companion piece to all of the shows that we've been doing, or at least for the last few years. So thanks again so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Support Muni Radio and all independent arts spaces. We also have a Patreon here, patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Anyone who can donate a dollar a month or more just to help the cost of rental spaces here would be greatly appreciated. You can find more information on weeklyrev.wordpress.com. Follow me on Twitter at R-O-M-A-N-R-A-M-E-R. And that'll be it. Gonna go out with a song here. And let's see. How about Wargasm by uh, L7? Yeah? All right. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll be back next week.
hey, take a break from the social isolation and come out to All Jokes, the daytime outdoor comedy show at All Good Pizza in Bayview on Saturday, August 22nd at 3 p.m., where Drea Myers hosts a super funny lineup of comedians. Grab some brick oven pizza and enjoy the show in an outdoor courtyard with plenty of room to be physically distanced. See you soon at All Good Pizza for this tremendous outdoor comedy show at 1605 Gerald Avenue in the Bayview. That's all jokes at Good Pizza with Drea Myers, Saturday, August 22nd at 3 p.m. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> my name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long... We have gone without a chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, Disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. I am Italian. And we brought you fascismus with Mussolini. And before that, the Romans. So if you think you live in a fascist country, well, you do. Antitrump.com is the antivirus to the Trump virus. It started in 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better America. No one thought it would be this bad. He was a 70-year-old yammering nimrod. How bad could it possibly be? We are now in a global pandemic without adequate leadership. Individual politics are not important. We need to rally behind curing the Trump virus. 
go to antitrump.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hey, you, poetry reader. This is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay. We also have a soul and a weekly poetry reading on Mutiny Radio's AltaCast, zoomed every Wednesday at high noon from Glasgow, Scotland. One of our co-hosts from Choose Poetry, Choose Life, Andy Talbot, has a new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, which is available at analogsubmission.com now. Go buy it and don't let poets lie to you. Once again, that's Andy Talbot's new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, available at analogsubmission.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department. Um, what, what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why did we do this? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling. He was like, move it, bitch, move it, bitch. And, uh, and uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm just not. I'm not moving it, you know. I've arrived. Why should I move? I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. 115-340-1976, and it does not spell anything. 115-340-1976. Go for it. Call in, guys. Are the end times upon us? Not yet, my friends. Please, this is an impassioned plea from Pam Benjamin director of Mutiny Radio. Let us live past October. You think it's a joke? COVID is decimated.